Good evening, and thank you for joining the Voice of Many podcast with your host, Yolanda, and co-host, Vanessa. Our guests today, um, they are mother and daughter. This is our first mother and daughter guest that we've had with us, and we are excited about that. Um, Lauren, who is the daughter, she struggles with conversations called aphasia. Um, Colleen's daughter, Lauren, she has... um, she struggles with finding words to understand and to be able to get those words out can be very difficult at times. So she, um, I'm going to let her mom tell you a little bit about what happened and as we go into their journey, but I just want to go ahead and welcome Colleen and Lauren, and it's a pleasure to have you both on the podcast with us today. Thank you so much for having us. And so, um, Colleen, I want to just ask you, can you talk and take us back to when you were told of Lauren's condition? Sure. So um, typical work day. Um, It was a Friday. I I shot out of work just a tad early to um, go watch one of my daughter's high school soccer games. She's 17. She was a junior at the time. And as soon as I got onto the highway, I got a call from a detective. And the first thing he asked was how I was related to Lauren Murphy. And now Lauren lived in New York at the time. Um, She, at age 24, she already had a master's degree. She took off to New York and was killing it. You know, she had a great job, great friends, you know, everything was good. So she was on a business trip in Los Angeles. So it was an LA detective. And then after I told him my relation, um, he told me that she had been involved in an accident and that she was hit by a car while out on a morning run. So at this point in the conversation, I had no idea how serious it was. And he gave me that phone number of a hospital social worker to call. And Lauren had been in Jane Doe for several hours before they could find out who she was and locate all of us. Um, So she had been, by the time I got the phone call, she had been in the hospital for about four hours, I think, four or five hours before they located us. So, you know, as soon as we found out, you know, she had severe head trauma, you know, and I worked in the medical field on the insurance side. So I knew how bad it was. And I knew that, you know, her chance of survival was slim. And when I asked the social worker if she was going to survive, she said, if you're asking me if you need to come, the answer is yes. So I knew it was bad. And, you know, my husband and I hopped on the first plane we could get out of Lambert Airport in St. Louis and headed to Los Angeles. And, you know, we weren't sure that she'd be alive when we got there. Um, But by the grace of God, she's sitting with us today. And, you know, that's just the short version of the story. I mean, it's, it's pretty big, but I'll let you go ahead and, you know, ask away. Wow. So Lauren, um, how has your condition impacted your entire life from where you were before? It's been nine years mm-hmm. since my accident mm-hmm. and I'm such an improved person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's back home with us now in St. Louis. Um, she can't live on her own independently anymore. Um, she does, she does so many things so well, you know, there's so many things that she can't do, you know, but there's so much more that she can do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so um, life is, is different. That's not, you know, really the plan that she had, but, you know, you know, plan B is our specialty and, you know, she's taking what she can and she's killing it, you know, and we're doing public speaking together and, you know, so she's got a purpose in life again. Yes. And, 
a career, you know, because anything that involves language, you know, she doesn't understand the words. They removed the language portion of her brain during surgery. So that's why she struggles so much. And aphasia has gotten a lot of press lately because they just, Bruce Willis was just diagnosed with aphasia. Now his is probably different. They haven't said what type he has. Um, but if it's not caused by stroke or brain damage, it's, it's normally like some type of generative disease like dementia or Alzheimer's. So I'm assuming it's secondary to something like that. Um, but, but regardless, aphasia is getting a lot more press because of um, Bruce Willis, which is great because it shines a spotlight on it. And so many people don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's so isolating for people with aphasia that it's actually more common than MS and Parkinson's, but most people with aphasia don't try to get out in the community because language is so hard for them. But she's always the exception to the rule, aren't you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's great. That is great. So, um, Colleen, in the time where there was hurt, pain, turmoil, um, where in how did, how were you able to keep the faith? I mean, you know, you get the news about your daughter, you rush to get there. Um, Just how were you able to just keep your faith doing all of this? So I think the best thing that helped me with my faith is that my foundation was so strong, you know, and I think, um, you know, it's never too late to find faith, but I think if you are born and raised in, a religious environment, it's really helpful on those, those hard times. And my husband and I often say, how do people without faith go through something like that? Because in the beginning, that's really all we had. And even though things were really bleak and, you know, everyone told us the worst of the worst. And, you know, for some reason I had this overwhelming sense of peace that everything was going to be okay. You know, God was in that ICU room. And I still feel like even through the nine years, God was guiding us every step of the way with every specialist we found, with every out-of-state facility we found, you know, every person that showed up into our life that, you know, was just a breath of fresh air. I mean, that wasn't, I don't believe in coincidences. So I think the biggest factor for me was that the foundation was always there and I've always been somebody, you know, with faith. But on the flip side of that, so many people, you know, said they were brought back to faith by the miracle of Lauren and, you know, watching us and, you know, now they're going back to church again, you know, which was great. But part of me was like, why did God use us as that instrument? You know, we were already faithful, but, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't get a quota of tragedies, you know, and it's, you know, it's not for us to know why, you know, things happen, but, you know, what happened to us is is the stuff that's supposed to happen to other people, (laughs) but, but we don't get to choose. Yeah. And, and then too, a lot of times, just like you said, things that happen to us supposed to happen to other people, but God allows things to happen to you because he knows that you're strong enough and you're able to withstand what comes your way. He has that inner work and power in you so that you can pour it out and to be able to help others. And that's what you're doing. And that's what's, yeah. that's, that's a wonderful purpose to have right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would give it up though in a second. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, but it's you like, know, and I think too, I get it. And I think it's, um, I think it would be so much easier if it wasn't my child. You know, it's just that whole mother's yeah. instinct yeah. that it was like, you know, I get it. I love 
that I can, that I could be an instrument and that I can help other people. But I wish I could have done that without my child being affected, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, you know, it in is. the end, I'm not bitter. I just, I get it and I accept it, but it's still, you know, so many people think, oh, there's so much positive that comes of it. And there is so much positive, yeah. but if I could reverse that day, I would. Yeah. yeah. Lauren, for you, um, what kept you motivated? Because I know it probably was a lot for you yourself to process. What motivates you, girl? What motivated me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a go-getter. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she always was. Um, and I think her personality was a big factor. And I think in the beginning, it was her dad and I and her siblings that pushed her. But at some point, you know, and, it, you know, there's no day that we can pinpoint but at some point she took over her own recovery and her work ethic has kicked in and she doesn't need to be pushed anymore you know now she's the one that's pushing me like hey you want to go for a walk can you go for a walk like no (laughs) let's go for a walk (laughs) so yeah so at some point you know she has taken the driver's seat in her recovery that's wonderful that's wonderful so for both of you as a as as a mother Um, share with those who are watching and those that are listening uh, who may know someone or have someone with similar conditions, how to approach getting help or how to approach um, living with this process. So, yeah, so that is, you know, I've learned so much um, throughout our journey. And the first thing I learned that, um, you know, they always say you have to be your own advocate. And I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. You know, but I always dealt with, you know, strep throat with kids, tubes in the ears, that kind of things. I really didn't have to advocate, you know, that was all that stuff was there. But when something like this happens, you know, you really have to be your child's advocate and demand excellence from every healthcare professional that you're in front of every therapist, every, I mean, I turned over every stone. I, I Googled aphasia so many times that those letters are worn off on my keyboard. You know, and I found aphasia facilities in St. Petersburg, Florida. We went there on three different occasions. We went to a brain injury facility in Omaha, Nebraska um, for six months, which is kind of like a brain injury college. And I just refused to give up. And I was going to find, you know, I figured we're going to find the right combination to get her piece back together, you know, and it it's not going to be all me and it's not going to be her neurologist and it's not going to be her therapists here. It's going to be a combination of all of us. And we're going to have to find the best of the best. And, you know, many times her doctor would ask me about the places that we went to get more information that he could pass on to other people. And, you know, I was naive to think that I was going to get that information from the doctors, but no one cares about your kid like you care or your loved Mm -hmm. one or your spouse. And it's not, if you wait around for the specialists to give you ideas, you're going to be waiting a long time. And I think that's the best thing I could say is, you know, just keep searching. Um, and now that we have the internet at our fingertips, you know, it's so much easier to, you know, find different things and different Facebook groups and, you know, all kinds of things, um, just to try to, you know, piece her back together Mm -hmm. and just never giving up on, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen in a year and two years and three years. You're definitely, you're blessed to have her with you. Lauren, um, it's, it's wonderful to see you there beside your mom 
and to see your your glow on your face. Yeah. Um, so yes, definitely never, like you say, never give up. Never give um, up. Never give up. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that too, I think I've learned what not to do when you know someone was going through something tough. And when we when we speak in public, this is one of the things I always try to tell our audiences, you know, because it's I've I've done things so much different now when I hear of something that's happened to somebody else. In the past, I would say a prayer for them quietly and go about my day. I would never reach out to someone that was not in my inner circle because I'd be like, it's just weird. You know, they don't know me. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to send them a text. I'm not going to send them an email. I'm not going to send them a card. But those are the people that it meant the most to me when I would get those types of calls, gifts on my porch, you know, different things from people that didn't even know us. I can't tell you how many emails I would get that said, you don't know me, but or, or Facebook messages. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that made me feel like, well, the world's got my back, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes the people that you love the most disappear like they're in the witness protection program. And it's not <laughs> that they don't care. They don't know what to say or yeah. what to do. So they say nothing. And I feel like, it's so much better to say the wrong thing than to say nothing. And that's, I think my biggest takeaway in all of this. I mean, I'm probably the queen of putting my foot in my mouth, but you can backpedal that. But when you say nothing and just, you know, don't show up, that's, um, that's something I I think is so important is just show up. Yeah. It's so true. So true. It's beautiful. Colleen and Lauren, I want to thank you both so much for joining us and giving us this information. And I hope that if anyone or any of our listeners have someone in their family, friends or loved ones with this, that they will be encouraged through your story as well. Thank you. Thank you. And to those of you who may be watching or listening, um, please don't forget to follow us on our social media outlets. And please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button as we don't want you to miss out on any of our great guests or great topics. And we wanna thank you all for tuning in. Thank you.